It's a good episode, this. Mostly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is my sad duty to report that the Empire podcast, Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra, has been imprisoned in stone for crimes against music. We wish him a swift and pleasant journey to the afterlife. So sad. They're in prison in stone. So sad. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to yet another Moon Knight spoiler special. So sad about the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra. I think people will be relieved, probably. Do you think? Yes. Certainly anyone musical. Here's a question. No, I'm going to introduce you guys first before sure. I derail myself. This is dedicated, of course, to dissecting episode four of Moon Knight, the latest Disney Plus MCU show. It is called The Tomb. It is directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, or Justin Moorhead and Aaron Benson, whichever way the right way around is. It's fine. Uh, They're both trapped in the same body. They just take <laughs> in turns to direct it's certain It's Justin things. Moorhead and Aaron Benson. No. No, it's Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Yes. Cool. Cool story, bro. <laughs> and joining me to discuss this uh, are three of the finest avatars of such lethal cunning you will find in the NW1 postcode. Mm. Helen O'Hara yes. is here. I am a giant hippopotamus. Hello. Uh, that's very harsh on yourself I there, Helen. So. Thanks. So. I did go um, to the gym this morning. Yes, you did. Uh, ben Travis is here. Hello. And um, James Dyer is here. High energy, James. Yeah. How yeah. are you? I am currently the avatar of Towerette, the uh, household deity of childhood and fertility. <laughs> all right. Okay, let's get the party started. Uh, welcome all. Welcome. Um, I had a question. Yeah. So do we think that, uh, you know, that you can get little stone effigies and figurines in gift shops? Mm. Action figures, yes. Yes. Do we think that... That's not what Do we think that the... Um, spirits of gods are imprisoned in every single one of so those. Just to be clear, if we go to Forbidden Planet, you're saying every sideshow collectible contains the spirit of the character depicted. Yes. Okay. Well, is it, it can't be just one brand, you know, are you talking about Funko Pops as well? No. And, Funko so. Pops have no soul. You can't imprison anyone wow, in vinyl. That is fascinating. But you can. Yeah, you can. But what, what do you think sideshow collectibles are made of? I guess they're resin. So you think it's okay in resin? Yes, yes. No, they are chiseled from, from ancient stone, Helen. Have you not watched how they make these things? Mm. The thing because... is, I think I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> True story, true story. I went to the Hasbro Star Wars figure factory in Boston and watched them make 
Star Wars figures mm-hmm. back when we did uh, when Episode Three came out, and we wrote a feature. I wrote a feature called Episode Three and Three Quarter Inches. That's a great headline, yeah, uh, and it was all about how they made Star Wars figures. Okay, but does the Palpatine figure from Rise of Skywalker include the soul that ascended from your body while you're watching that movie? <laughs> can we can we somehow discover it and and reimbue it? It's like funny they is... lost the template for that figure, but somehow. Palpatine returned. Hey. James, um, so when you saw those toys lined up in, on the shelves, uh, how many did you order? Did you order one? Did you order two? Or did you order 66? 66. <laughs> hey. Let's see what you Is this a Star Wars spoiler special? Yeah, you know what? It might as well be. Been derailed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering so, because obviously we see uh, Khonshu mm-hmm. and Amit mm-hmm. are part of the, oh, I didn't write it down. Pantheon? The no, Avengers. He says the Avengers. Yeah. Stephen says what it is. It the, has a name. It the has God a name. Avengers. Yeah. Mm. And so they're in the stone things, uh, but it, which actually has a name, a technical term, right? In the episode, and I'm just wondering, do all toys and statues, and they get imprisoned for infinity in these stones? They do. Oh my God. Oh no! Don't do it. Here we go. Here <laughs> don't we go. Say it. Don't anyway, say it. don't even do it. Um, I think the answer to that is no. Not all toys. Hashtag not all toys. Hashtag, Hashtag not all toys <laughs> contain gods. Um, because otherwise, on the every time, <laughs> warning, does not contain yeah. God. Because otherwise, every time, like let's say you just like knocked over your, you know, stones, apparently sideshow collectible, <laughs> apparently, um, you know, it would release the soul of a god into your home, which would be inconvenient and possibly dangerous. Only if it was an Asgardian sideshow collectible. I think if it's a stormtrooper, there's no god of stormtroopers. I... Well, that wasn't the question. The question was, do all figures contain gods? Was that the I'm question? saying no, wasn't it? I'm saying, question? yes, that was the question. Thank you. I don't yeah. even know what we're talking about at this stage. Uh, okay, but anyway, this is perhaps apt that we have lost our minds at the beginning of this episode because this episode is very much about that. Yeah. Uh, since the beginning of these spoiler specials, we've been very upfront and honest with you about the fact that we have seen the first four episodes. We are now caught up. We uh, are now in uncharted terrain going mm. uh, from this point forth. Their future is not set. There is no fate, but what we make for ourselves. Uh, or indeed what the, the nice what, people have made well, yeah. for us well, already. They've already yes. made, but they just haven't shown yes. us. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, unless they forgot to make it and now they're scrambling to make it. Wow. That would be... Which would be... That would be a real failure of organisation. <laughs> yeah. Like people would be fired if that were the case. Mm. When's episode five of Moonlight out? Uh, what do you mean the episode? Oh shit! Episode five of Moonlight. I forgot Wait, to film I thought it. You had it. Oh god! Oh shit! Quick, get Oscar Isaac, uh, and if he's not available, get those idiots from the Empire Podcast who sound uncannily like him. Um, anyway, cheers, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, thanks. Yeah, no, yeah. It's good. Uh, uh, I, I chip myself. Yeah, chip myself. I chip myself. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Squished it. I squished it. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Great. Uh, anyway. Play, can I just say, for the excellent deployment of the word plonker in plonker this episode. Plonker was well yes. used. Yeah, was, that was it good. was deftly, deftly deployed. And buggered as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that was last episode, wasn't it? It's also this episode also. Oh, yeah. I do kind of love his accent. Yes. yes. I think it's great. It's very good. It's better than his actual accent. I've met Oscar Isaac. I'm sure you guys have yeah. uh, met him as well. Indeed. And he's a oh, very nice man. What? He's got a very lovely voice, but um, I think he should keep that accent so up do all, I, the time. all the time. All the time. Forever now. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris has spoken to Oscar Isaac as Stephen Grant slash Moon Knight. Mm. Helen's spoken to him as Duke Leto Atreides. And also Lewin Davis. James has had him as Poe Dameron. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting over here with, with, with no Oscar Isaac. In fairness, yeah. I've also spoken to him as Ensaban Nur. Ah, yes. Apocalypse okay, himself. I'm sure he was overjoyed Ooh. to talk about that. I don't, the, I don't feel like we need to bring that yes, up again. The Marvel Egyptian crossover that he did before that 
we don't like to talk about. It's like no. that episode of Faulty Towers. Don't mention Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> that was what was in the tomb in this episode of Moon Knight. It's Apocalypse. Oh my God, it's buried there. We do not speak of it. Yeah. Um, this is also the third time he's been to the Wadi Rum in Jordan. He was there for Star Wars. He was there for Dune. Mm. Do you think he gets discount? He should. Yeah. There should be some kind of you know card that you can... He should do like an Oscar Isaac walk-in mm. tour. Anyway... Whenever we started these spoiler specials, do you remember that? When we started this spoiler special 14 hours ago, <laughs> when we started these spoiler specials four weeks ago, we said we had seen these episodes. Yes. And this episode was the one that threw a curveball. And we were trying, I think, and we succeeded mm. to not give away anything over the mm. last few weeks because this episode is batshit insane. Full legion. Bit of a mm. rug pull, very much so. So um, let's get to the end first. Let's start with the end and we'll work our way back. Bye. Because the end. Yes, the end of the episode <laughs> is them. is very, very interesting. So we've seen that Mark Spector has been shot in the tomb by Arthur Harrow. And the chest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's been shot right in the tomb uh, by Arthur Harrow. He has fallen down, 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 deeper and down. And then he wakes up in what seems to be some sort of psychiatric hospital where he sees everyone pretty much that he's mm. been interacting with for the past four episodes and they are fellow inmates and Arthur Harrow is his psychiatrist or the doctor who runs the place at the very least then he breaks free of of that uh, and meets up with gets into a room hides in a room there in the room is a tomb like Alexander the Great's tomb earlier from the episode but in this tomb we see Stephen and then Mark and Stephen hug Yes, great moment. Love it. And then they run around the corridors for a bit. There's a third tomb. We don't see who's in that. And then the doors open and a giant hippopotamus comes through and goes, Hi. Tawarat, the goddess. Is that who it is? Childhood and fertility. Is it not not Hathor? I don't believe so. Okay. I thought it was Tawarat. I mean, I'm not saying I went into some deep, deep, deep Egyptian lore, but I did Google Egyptian (laughs) hippo god, and it came up with Tawarat, the goddess of childhood and fertility. So I'm I'm going with that. Okay. So, um, what do we think of this? Uh, What the hell's going on? It's mental, isn't it? But in a good way. Like, this felt like a nice course correction, because episode three was very, very boring, and very, very plotty, and this episode... sort of brings us back to, at the very beginning, where we started episode three out, making that episode entirely redundant. But I enjoyed this one because it had that very sort of classic, and I know I don't like The Mummy, I know I'm not a fan of Stephen Summers, but it had that vibe and it was much more playful and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed your clicky mummy zombie thing. I enjoyed the zombie scares and the tomb. And and then I enjoyed the the batshit Noah Hawley stuff at the end. Mm. It's very much The Mummy 1999 for the first half of the the episode. Uh, There is also the slight complication of, you know, as we discussed last week, Leila now being in a three-way with her husband's own body. But you do have, like, all of that fun stuff at at the beginning. And then, yeah, this complete curveball in those last, what, five, ten minutes Mm -hmm. um, into into very much Legion meets maybe a little hint of a matter of life and death just with the whiteness of everything. Um, but it's it's cool, it's great, I like it. For me, the stuff at the end brought to mind two things. First up, the episode of Buffy in season six, I think it's mm. called Normal Again, yes. where Buffy is in an asylum and it keeps flipping between her being in this asylum yep. with her mum and people there saying like, 
you're back, you're back, this is real life. And her flipping back to the other normal life that we've seen through the rest of the show and her having to make the decision of which of these two realities is real. It really reminded me of that. Also, it gave me lots of Lost vibes. Like, obviously, there's mm. a whole action-adventure element to this series which you get a bit of lost from that but all of the hurley stuff where it was like hurley's in the asylum and then libby's there and then dave's appearing to him on the island and like who what's real what's not which of these two realities it had a lot of that going on in it as well and those are two of my favorite shows i was happy to see that sort of reflected in the mcu in in a really sort of fun and interesting way that i still have no idea like where it goes from here Mark slash Stephen has been shot. We don't know what level of reality this is, what exactly it's supposed to represent, because you've got the various Mark slash Stephen slash the other guy in the tomb, maybe Adrian tombs, um, inside the asylum. But then other characters, well, you've got Harrow, you've got Layla, Mm -hmm. you've got Mm -hmm. other people, you've got, um, is it Donna, his boss from Mm -hmm. the museum? Um, All of them. The the guy who read that the bingo call, the bingo numbers, is a living statue. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so they're, they're, all they're all in it. The security guard from the National Art Gallery of London, <laughs> <laughs> which is in Trafalgar Square, but you get off at Tottenham Court Road to, to access yeah, of it. Course. That after he, going along the strand in the wrong direction. On the 25 oh. or whatever. Uh, so yeah, he's there. Um, the, the two cops are there, Billy and mm-hmm. Bobby, uh, are there uh, also. So there's an awful lot going on there. So what's your theory? Normally you'd go, well, it's in his head. It's in his subconscious. Mm. But then if those other people are in there represented, if Harrow is actually talking to him as that persona, like, how does that work? Is it another alternate, I don't know, dimension? Some kind of metaphysical plane that's not his own subconscious that is some external place because of everyone else being there too? I think the idea is, narratively, you're just supposed to think that the whole thing has been a hallucination up until this point. A construct, so yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. toying with what isn't a, a, then, a conscious <laughs> yes. But then it, it undermines that by showing Mark and Stephen in the same place and by then having the, and the hippo god, god. Yes. Yes. Yeah. at the end. Uh, so it, 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 for a second, for the first time I saw it, I thought, okay, this is, this is a real rug pull. This is really interesting because, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but throughout the... There are motifs in the psychiatric hospital. You obviously you see the cupcakes, mm-hmm. and you see the, the the drawing of the mountains on the wall of Arthur Harris office. Yep. And obviously everyone who's in the hospital is someone that Stephen or Mark have encountered. Yep. But also there's other little things as the well. Drawings the, that the patient the is drawings. Doing. Yep. There's the 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 hospital itself mm-hmm. is the hospital that is on the flyer that the 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 guy who fires Stephen in episode two gives him. He even says, you know, we've used this hospital before and they they, they help people. So we're, it's all being set up there. Things Harrow says to, you know, if you look at the conversations that Harrow has with Mark and Stephen all the way through the, the show, you know, if you if you wrote that down and just looked at it dispassionately and de- de- devoid of context, I, I imagine most things that Harrow says could be things that the doctor would be saying to a patient you know, strip all the conscious stuff mm-hmm. out of it. But I think, you know, it works on, on two levels there. And then, of course, you know, the hippo, the hippo god we see at the end of episode four is the hippo toy that they sell yeah. in the gift in shop the gift in, shop. in right. episode one. So there's, you know, there's lots of stuff being set up here. And the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a rug pull that I'm not sure I'm entirely on board with, but it's a bold swing, you know, you know, and sometimes you can talk about these shows being, a you know, a little conventional, 
But this is the boldest cliffhanger, I would say, in the MCU TV shows yet. Uh, and I, I don't know what the, I don't know the answer. I'm fascinated to see episode five because Oscar Isaac in our interview with him said that whenever Kevin Feige got him on board, he got him on board by showing him the scripts mm. for episode one and episode five. And episode five is the one, I think to use Oscar Isaac's phrase, is the one that's really insane. So that could be very, very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we necessarily have to choose between it's all in his head and it's on a metaphysical plane involving go- the gods, because I, I feel like it's both, potentially. It would mm-hmm. make sense to me if it was both. He is an avatar of a god, so if it's all happening in his or head... Is he? Yes. So if it's all <laughs> happening in his head, that doesn't mean that the gods mm. can't get involved. With well, except his god is in Forbidden Planet, so we've already established that... He can't get involved. I did love his little Moon Knight action figure. I want that yes. specific one. Like the fabric of the cloak looked a really good quality. Proper old school. Old school, like the joints Star on it Wars, and everything yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do you think is happening then? Do you think do you think that Conchu, even though Conchu is imprisoned in stone, somehow that a vestige of his power is somehow keeping Mark slash Stephen alive? That somehow suspended between. Maybe. Life and death between this plane and the astral plane. I mean, look, it's it's all look. It's it's very very hard to get shot in the chest once, let alone twice, and survive. It doesn't very often happen in real life. It very often happens in the movies, though. So let's. I just, refer you, Helen, to yes. the case of Jack so, Reacher. If you just let me finish, so we're just going to hand wave that. Is what I'm saying. We're going to hand wave the apparent fatality. That no, wasn't a hand wave, Helen. It was a pectoral muscle that stopped the bullet. <laughs> you know, we're not reading it. Again. I believe it's what the kids call a flex. <laughs> Look, I know Mark works out, but he doesn't work out that much. So we're just. But gonna... he did say, you know, I'll call upon you if I need a recipe for a protein shake. I so know. Perhaps, I, perhaps I, he's been yeah. drinking the protein shakes. His petrol muscles are robust. robust. I'm sure. I'm not questioning the robustness <laughs> of his petrol muscles. Nor should you. What I'm saying is, generally speaking, in real life, bullet wounds like that are fatal or very close to it. However, we are working in comic book territory now, therefore bullet wounds like that are totally survivable. Mm. Okay, we're clear on this? Right. So he doesn't have to be dead. This doesn't have to be the afterlife. It could be, but I don't think it is. What I think we're looking at is he's in a coma, whether induced or natural. Uh, It may be that Arthur is trying to manipulate him in that coma. It may be that he is just tripping balls. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But it does maintain, it does remain the fact that he has a link to another plane, let's say, of the gods, and that that is also playing on his subconscious. I am inclined to think that there's probably an element of manipulation or something going on, given the completeness of the illusion of the hospital and given that some of that doesn't seem like it was it is stuff that Mark or Stephen mm. would inflict upon themselves. It's all in his subconscious. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's losing consciousness. Yeah. That's or has lost it already, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you guys concur with that? Or concur with that? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Conch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a fucking clue what is going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a podcast, Ben. We've, we've done them before. <laughs> Wait, where am I? Who are you, people? Um, no, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. You can, you can keep rephrasing the question. What do we think is? I just don't know, Chris. I okay, know. good. I, but I had this when we when we watched this originally. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on by the time we got to the end of this episode. But I like it. Yeah, yeah but I like fun. it. But I'm on board with that, and I have 
absolutely no clue what's going to happen in the next episode. But, but I like the fact that unlike episode three, and I do think there's no coincidence here, three is the one that we've all universally said we do not enjoy. We have not had this with any other episode, and it is the Stephen factor, 100%. We had Stephen back, we were happy, you take Stephen away, we riot, and that is the law. I don't mind a little bit of Mark, because he's much sexier, but I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Do you not find Stephen's brains sexy? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah. But, you know. His bumbling ways. Egyptology nerd lore is strong. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's sexy. And, Look, I, I like the way that Layla's kind of getting into that. Yeah. Um, I think she likes the voice as well, Helen. I, <laughs> I think don't think does. she does. She finds oh, it very they attractive. smell the same. They smell the same. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. rotten cheese. Mm-hmm. No. I love Werther's originals. Oh, my God. In the, like, tomb-busting stuff in that first half of the episode, I loved mm. that you had Stephen as the way into that. And he is he is terrible at being an Indiana Jones slash... Laura Croft mm. figure. He's terrible at getting into the tombs, but when he's in there, he's like, look at the snakeskins, look at this, look at that. I love that it, you have him as the way into that because he's a great, he's great with the artifacts and he loves that stuff and he cares about it. But the actual like getting through the catacombs and like finding the, the squishy demons and stuff, he is rubbish as an action hero. Like it's so much fun to They're watch. They're squished a squishy demon standing <laughs> in the middle it, yeah. of the road. <laughs> and he said, um, I was, I had some questions about the tomb stuff. There was a, there, there, it seems to me there was somewhat of a hand wave with the whole, you know, maze stuff. She goes, oh, there are six exits in this room, which is not obviously apparent from what we see on camera, but fine. And he extrapolates from that that it's the eye of Horus, is it? Yes, the eye of Horus. And and because he's drawn that on the table in the sand, it's not clear that he's tracing over something that already exists on the table in the sand. He's, he appears to be just drawing it on the table and then it reflects and it's cool on the ceiling and everything. Why, but how? And also, why? I'm not I mean, clear. Are you, are you like this with Raiders of the Lost Ark? I mean, I yes. have to... I, it's, they hand wave how they get to the Well of Souls. They have, you know, they, they, you just take, you go he, along he with it. He just cuts the You go along with it. He, he, he calculates it, doesn't he? And I'm he sure you don't cut. hold the mummy, brackets 1999, director Stephen Summers, to the same standards of, of Look, rigorous... Look, Evie is right there. She knows exactly what she's doing. She knows which statue to dig under. That is solid. She... Is a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love her so much. Yeah, okay, uh, I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, I'm just saying, there's a yes. little bit of a hand wave there. It, it, there. There is some muddy storytelling in the adventuresome stuff. That's all. Um, I'm mm. not saying it's fatal. I'm just saying it exists for me. Um, I like, but I like the whole you know hiding from the mummy priest, um, which was quite. Gross. Yeah, and explained away very, very quickly when she mm. kind of goes, "Oh, look, these are the priests that are down here, and they've been down here for centuries, but we're still not meant to think that they exist and that they're going around wiping out Ethan Hawke's people." But all and then they suddenly of his just people have survived, and so where? What are they doing? They've been there for at least days. They built an entire entrance, a whole campsite. Yeah, they're going around this tomb, and they haven't found the tomb itself, which which our guys find in about five minutes. Yeah. What's yeah. up with that? It's fucking uh, stupid. Stephen. Also, why is Amit's zombie priests killing Amit's followers? In fairness, ma- oh no, they are, they do kill one of them. And why are they pulling their brains out through <laughs> their noses? Maybe they're not technically Amit's priests. They were just like enchanted to protect the tomb. And they can't tell Amit people from non-Amit people. 
or we've been lied to and the whole, oh, you're blessed by Amit, it's all cool, you're a good'un, mm. is a lie, like I've been saying all along. <gasps> I don't think they're, yeah, I think, I think they're just feral priest things. Feral that don't, priests. Yeah, feral priests. <laughs> yeah. I hear, I hear you're a feral cannibal feral now, Vanner. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, there are those, those, there are those mindless priest mummies in the mummy, which as we all know is canon. Um, so it might be like that. They're just like enchanted to do a job and they can't really tell much beyond that. Much like mm. ourselves. Very yeah. much like that. Um, yeah, the, the priest thing or, you know, cameoing on loan from the descent, uh, I thought were were pretty cool and pretty effective. I thought it was a very, very scary. Uh, scary, creepy uh, sequence. You know, we've been told that Moonlight dips into horror uh, and this is the most obvious example of that, mm. I would say, in the show so far. Uh, and the, the show itself, this episode, I thought was a bit interesting, a bit maybe the way it, it, it slingshotted uh, tonally I thought was very interesting so it starts off with uh, Layla on her own you have a bit of adventure she, you know, in fact she's dodging things on her own whilst Stephen and Mark are faffing around quite a bit in this episode you have that intro then you have the kind of Raiders slash Mummy slash Tomb Raider section of the show uh, as well and then you have the horror section uh, and then obviously then you know delving into the mindfuck Jacob's ladderiness of it all but to me, it felt really obviously identifiable as a Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead episode. Like we've spoken in the past, I think it was episode two. It's that they Justin, did. Aaron and Benson Burhead. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Justin, Aaron and Menson Burhead? Menson Burhead, Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, okay, sorry. Pretty sure. Menson. Um, uh, yeah, we've spoken on the, on the podcast in the past about how we're big fans of their stuff. And that combination of like horror... And a bit of sci-fi and the head trippy weirdness is like everything they do. It was really nice to see various flavors of of like what they bring to this show all mm. represented in this episode. Like even though it's kind of, as you say, slingshotting around in terms of tone and location, it all felt it like draws back to who they are as, as filmmakers, uh, mm. which I really enjoyed. They, and the, the scary stuff was scary like the mummy the 1999 the mummy absolutely fucked me up i saw it when i was eight years old <laughs> and i did not sleep for really? weeks like <laughs> scarab beetle dreams oh those obse- were like obsessed mm. when they first uncovered the mummy and he's all gooey when he like yeah. sort of fall half falls out of the sarcophagus mm. thing um that like i had dreams that that was in the the like wardrobe in my bedroom it was a, a, a horror show in so many ways can i just say one of my favorite lines of film criticism ever 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 is anthony lane's review of that film where he describes the mummy as looking like what would be left at the bottom of the pot if you made a nourishing winter soup out of white <laughs> beans and the terminator <laughs> i have never heard a better piece of description i love it so much anyway but yeah it, it's scary it's, it's scary, scary. I, and i think that film like i'm a horror buff now but like that film has stayed with me there's something about it's just like primarily imprinted and so then other stuff that plays in that milieu like it it taps into that and it it did get me a bit this see that's interesting because uh, that must be just an age generational type thing because uh also a horror guy but i don't think of the 1999 mummy as horror horror in any way you know it's a romp yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's you know it's fun, but it's let's be honest, it's Indiana, Indiana Jones light, and that's mm. fine. There's nothing wrong with that because it's yeah. more successful than than many copycats have been, including quite frankly Tomb Buster, uh, which we <laughs> see in this episode, and looks fucking appalling, uh, deliberately so, obviously, of course. But 
the mummy just I, I I've got I've great affection for the mummy less so for the mummy returns yeah, uh, no, and less less so for the scorpion yeah. king Boo. but the mummy yes yeah. but but um I do wonder if you were in the sweet spot for that the same way that you know I was for raiders when I first saw it and raiders is nightmare fuel mm. oh Still. I mean, those all fucked me up as well especially to be fair it was more last crusade when he drinks from the wrong cup like the effects there, the yeah. instant aging and turning. Oh, yeah, that. He chose also, poorly, Ben. He chose very he chose poorly, and I've poorly. never forgotten it. <laughs> mm. No, but Raiders, you know, with uh, the, oh, the melty, melty heads face. and the mm. and the angels suddenly turning all demonic. Mm. Oh, that's no terrifying, terrifying stuff. Uh, the mummy, less so. But what did you? What what else stood out for you about this episode? This is um uh, more Layla uh, centric episode than I think we've seen before, and we get a little bit more backstory about what happened to her dad yep. uh, who was clearly killed by someone Mark Spector says he was there but he didn't do it now he says my partner did it now the obvious conclusion to draw would be that his partner was Arthur Harrow but I'm sure that would have been revealed had that been the case already no true. I don't think it is no. so, but Harrow knows Yeah, I think Harrow was there I wonder if and again this isn't like the previous weeks where we're going well, I wonder if we'll see something like that in next week's episode, knowing for well we were. Um, I wonder if we'll, we will see the flashback to what happened there. I wonder if Harrow Konshu was there. Konshu was there in Harrow but for some reason. Harrow, and then Konshu left Harrow and went to Mark. But Harrow didn't seem to know what Mark looked like that first time in the mountains. Mm. But he did because he went mercenary. He recognised him. Oh, yeah, but he didn't actually... like know him like a partner. No, 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 I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying he was a partner. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying it was he was there. So he saw it. He saw the stuff that happened. And I think that was the moment when Konshu left Harrow and went to uh, Mark. join Mark. Because Mark, obviously, something happens. Mark's Mark partner. Shot. Mark is shot, left for dead. Konshu comes. Okay. It, feels, yeah. it feels like it would have... Well, it feels to me like it maybe would have happened before that simply on the basis of how far Harrow has gotten with Amit. We know it was months rather than years for Mark, or we believe it was months rather than years. It feels like Harrow's been at this a bit longer than that, to build up what he's built up. Uh, to po- me, anyway. But. Possibly, but, you know, if that we was the moment... We think he's been his avatar for months. No, years, because he's, 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 you know, he's been married to yeah. Layla, so in his guilt-ridden state, he went to find Layla yes. to tell her what he did, you know, mm-hmm. what he did or didn't do to her dad, couldn't do it, fell in love with her, married her and then everything starts happening yeah so that's got to take place over years yeah I would say rather than months mm-hmm. so for me that timeline kind of works out I think that I think that could work so you work. think he was already Conshu's avatar when he married Layla yes maybe he has to have been why because Conshu took him Conchu, over at the moment of death Conshu saves him when he dies and after that he goes and finds Layla because of her father dying okay Hmm. Okay. What if? So Mark slash Stephen. No, Mark said his partner. Mark's. Were you saying if Mark's partner was? What if it was the third oh, guy in the sarcophagus? Holy what if shit. it was an, the the other personality I that's know locked who away? That is. I don't think he does. No, I think I think it is he because he gets double crossed. My no, understanding of this is if canonically. He, if he, oh, that, oh, Ben, you might be onto something. Right? I don't think he is. No? <laughs> I'm just going to dismiss Ben's theory really? outright and go, no, I, I, no. I think Ben might be onto something here. No. Poor what, deluded Ben. No. What if there is a new villain in the end of this series and it's another... And it's, it's Judy Louis-Dreyfus as Fowl. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> no, it's uh, who's the taxi driver man? Robert De Niro. <laughs> We've talked about this. Ben, ben, you work in a film magazine. How do you not know this? <laughs> no, the guy. He even it shares, won't be the taxi driver. He even shares your name. Who for could God's be who Ben Bickle? Who could who could it be? Who could it be? Who could who be, be in the soccer? Somehow, who could it be? Ben has somehow Palpatine has returned. That's ultimately <laughs> what this is. And, and Oscar Isaac is going to say that when he opens it, he's going to like, <gasps> yeah. And I would buy it. Yeah, I bet I you would. fucking would. Uh, go to bat. For okay, it. that's that's interrogate Ben's uh, bad shit, possibly bullshit theory. <laughs> okay, because uh, there might be something in this. All right, so what if Mark is the lead mercenary on this? But as far as Mark goes, from terms of his perception of the world, he has a partner. But that partner, okay. Now I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just having a vision of the other mercenaries going, hey, let's follow this guy. Sometimes he goes in a tent, talks to himself. Hey, Tyler Burton. Tyler Burton. Tyler Burton. Like, let the space yeah, monkeys or whatever it was. He was a cult so. leader. Mercenaries are after money. Yeah. But he had lots of money and, and oh, we can't talk about it. Yeah. Fight Club. <laughs> Literally the first rule, Helen. And the second. <laughs> it's why we couldn't do a spoiler special. <laughs> <laughs> also, we were not working here at that point. So, yes, yeah. true. But if we did a retro spoiler special on that thing, right? we'd have trouble. We wouldn't be able to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Scottish play. Well, really complicated. Macbeth. Oh, no! oh, no! You don't say that during a podcast recording. That's just bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Anyway... <laughs> I I feel no? like no. You don't think? But I mean, it you know, it can't rule anything out at this point. But I feel like no, maybe. I I'm 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 Team Ben. I, like, I am no. coming around to your. I'm coming around to your. Um, Harrow was there, but I'm not See, there you, with the. Helen has a keen, and quite frankly, cold analytical brain. It's part of what harsh. is what made her such a great barista. Oh so if God. you present your theory to her. And you have enough evidence, and you're persuasive yeah. enough. Yeah. She'll she'll swallow anything. No, the theory sucks balls. I think Harrow knows because he is the avatar of a god, and Amat is wise and all knowing. But we have to ask you Jimbo. You are making so many assumptions. There. <laughs> Good God! We have to ask: How did? At what point did Amit assume the control of the Harrow Man? Mm. Right? Is he a Harrow Man? Did he go to Harrow? He went. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Or a Stephen's just an eaten mess. I think it's Herovian, actually. Absolutely. So I think it all it all works out. It all works out. Harrow was there with Konshu. Okay, mm-hmm. inside him, Konshu was he was Konshu's avatar, and then some shit goes down to this this archaeological dig. Mm. Amit appears out of nowhere. Makes a play. Perhaps they have a. She has a battle with Konshu. In just hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me <laughs> okay, out. Okay. Hear me out. No, but, but um, does ha- Harrow reject Konshu first? Harrow maybe rejects Konshu. Can you do that? I, I think know. that happened beforehand. I think I Harrow think it rejected did. Konshu, and Konshu was looking for another person, and he found. Oh, okay. This okay. Uh, uh, now, now I'm Team Jimbo. So, <laughs> so let's say, for example, I'm also Team Ben. Yay! And if no. Helen presents a workable theory, I might be Team Helen as well. But so far, mm. it's silence from O'Hara. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's just, nice it's time. just. Oh, I don't know what that is, and who, who could that be? That you know, come on, work harder. Uh, so, <laughs> so, I've never taken my life in my hands like that. Yeah, the genuine look of indignation on Helen's face then was glorious. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I think. 
Jimbo's partially right. Stop clock and all that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he's partially right. About? Harrow has removed himself from Conchu's avatariness, right? But perhaps... consciously uncoupled himself. He has consciously uncoupled. Consciously uncoupled. He has consciously uncoupled himself. All right, trademark Empire Podcast. (laughs) And he goes to the dig... Mm-hmm. Um, not the Ray Fiennes Carrie Mulligan Netflix movie <laughs> but he goes to the dig in no, Egypt I would, watch that. would you watch that? if it had him in it yeah he goes to the dig to try and con- consciously couple with another god who in this case is Amit because maybe uh-huh. he's found out something about Amit that he wants he, he likes to cut of her jib basically right right so he goes there and Conchu's there as well. Amit, yeah, right. Conchu and then Conchu and Amit have a big old fight. But okay. Um, the problem with him rejecting Conchu before that. Right. On this this year, we are not talking about this episode. We are just wildly speculating. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, is he needs to reject Conchu because Conchu stands back and lets bad things happen, and only steps in after they've happened. So it yes. would make sense that he is still Conchu during the bad thing that happens to the archaeologists. Does he care about the archaeologists, though? I'm Team Helen now. See, well, I'm, they, I'm okay, leaning towards Team Helen, actually, oh. because I think okay, I think that you, wait, you're right, but, that Amit's superior philosophy no, no. is what has tempted <laughs> Arthur Harrow away from Conchu. Hang on a second. You need to fucking stop this. This is absolutely outrageous. No, here's the thing. So he needs to reject... Conchu, because Conchu stands by, lets bad things happen, and then steps in for retribution. Um, Conchu is presumably there because these archaeologists are looking for Amit, right? That's the the kind of thing that she implies in the tomb, that her dad was obsessed with this mission of this of finding yes. this. He was an archaeologist on a mission, right. so she that's says, why Conchu would, would <laughs> potentially take an interest in these archaeologists. He okay. would want to stop yeah. them finding Amit. Well, no, that's not really how he works. Surely he would want to kill them after they found Amit. No, but he would want to stop them finding Amit and he would want to know if they did find Amit so he can... So he, you're saying Amit. that he would think that they were going to find Amit so he should kill them preemptively no. before they did it. No, See, I didn't I, say that. I like what you're saying, Helen. No, I, like I didn't what you're say saying. that. That's what you said because you're a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm in that Friends episode where they're like, they know that we know that they know, but they don't know we know they know we know. I don't know what the fuck is going on just like at the Nor end of this I. episode of Moonlight. Yeah. But I think I'm team everyone. Um, oh. And I'm also team me because Helen's theory is quite close to the one I was espousing just ten minutes ago. It felt like ten minutes ago. It was probably an hour ago, but know you know. But so I, I think that's what's going to happen next episode. And you say yes, we're wildly speculating because this is the first time we can mm. because we couldn't previously because we'd seen the episodes and we didn't want to give away. Well, what was I happening. had I was able to during the first couple of weeks, but you were yeah, absolutely. I forgot that Helen hasn't seen those episodes or me or, or Ben. ben. So that's cleared that up, I think. We all have theories about what happened to Layla's dad. But uh, what do we make of that conversation between her and Harrow? Um, it, it brought back a little bit of what Shazam did mm. in that there, you know, that, that moment in Shazam where uh, Shazam and Mark Strong's character have a conversation in midair. Yeah. And Mark Strong's going, I will kill you, Shazam. And but he's miles away and you can't hear him. He's like, hello, I yeah. didn't hear you. Yeah. It was a little bit of that here because they're separated by this massive chasm and they're just speaking conversationally. Yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't really raise his voice, does Harrow? Does, he's you know, he's not he's a voice very, raiser. Yeah, he's very calm. Um, 
I no look. I think it was always going to come out that um, Mark knew more than he said about your father. Um, so I'm glad we're kind of getting into that now. <laughs> I did like that. Um, she she he goes. He he basically starts twirling the imaginary moustache mm. and goes, "Ooh, you never knew what happened to your father, did you?" And she's like, "Well, you're obviously dying to tell me. Yeah. So just fucking yeah. get, get on, on with, with it. it." Yeah, it was very. Um, you know, he didn't kill your father as Obi-Wan told you. He is your father. No, wait, not that. He, oh my God, that would, be, that would be a wild that twist, would be wouldn't it? Yeah. Horrible. No. What if Mark is his own father? Like his own grandpa. Like yes. In the song. <laughs> uh, that so, song yeah. might even make James laugh. It's a good song. I know, I know I'm My Own Grandpa. What is this? It's a song called I'm My Own Grandpa and it's fantastic. It's about... Who's it by? The Muppets. At least oh, the version I know. The Muppets? Mm. Oh, I love the Muppets. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, we should say for context, before the show began, I may put it up on Instagram or even TikTok. Please like don't. That. <laughs> we, uh, James had never heard of Dick in a Box, the Lonely Island SNL skit. Not the concept of a Dick in a Box. <laughs> I mean, that's... Obviously, his go-to move, but oh, no. uh, it is. It's uh, we played it for him and filmed him watching it for the first time, and it was uh, horrible, H- horrifying. Frankly, for, I, yeah, I, for, I agree, it was horrible. Yeah, for all concerned, yes. um, but it wasn't good. Humorlessness. Yes, yes you are. Yes, <laughs> made flesh. Oh. Yeah, yes, you are the avatar of the god of uh, Michael McIntyre. I believe is. <laughs> um, anyway. Anything else to talk about with this episode before we talk some... I feel some, like there was, some, but God knows It's a good it episode. It's a good episode. It was... Oh, I know what we want to talk about. All right. The Tomb of Alexander. Alexandretta. Yeah. Okay, so so it is true that the Tomb of Alexander was lost. So Alexander wanted to be buried back somewhere near Macedonia, not with his dad, but back, you know, in the heart of his empire. And Ptolemy apparently ambushed the funeral train. It was like, fuck that. You're being buried where I put you. He buried him in um, Memphis... And then he was later moved to Alexandria. At some point, his tomb was lost. And it's not even clear at what point. So this one writer in 400 AD says, oh, yeah, they don't even know where he's buried themselves. Um, But in the 600s, some of the Muslim writers were able to find him, no problem. So his tomb existed for a long time, like Caesar visited when he was in Alexandria. People visited it. It did exist. And then at some point, it dropped off the map. And there have been like 140 possible sites you know, suggested as Alexander's tomb in modern times. Originally, his coffin was gold, uh, you know, wound tightly around him. Uh, Then it was later replaced by a crystal coffin, which is not how it looked here. So, you know, I have questions about the production design there, but fine. Um, And (laughs) what is clear to me, though, is if you find the tomb of Alexander the Great, you don't fucking open it without even putting some fucking gloves on. You don't, like, rip his wrappings off and then stick your bloody arm down his throat. You what do if you want to get the gift shop replica of Amit. I you do, do if oh. men with guns are chasing you. You don't have time for for protocol. You don't have time for decorum. You don't have time for gloves. You don't have time for archaeology or respect for, you know, ancient relics or like important historical valuable stuff. I know this happens in films. I do. I just, you know, it, it pains me. Every Why isn't Amat's little stone thing in the little stone alcove in the little god place? Because the um, whoever turned Amat to stone has hidden it inside Alexander the Great's throat. 
but it doesn't make sense because the like the tomb was on display for like a lot of centuries. So if you were trying to hide her somewhere that nobody would ever find her, it seems unless that was a fake. Uh, I would say I a pocket a fake... plane accessible only to avatars of the gods might be a good place. But was that a fake tomb then? The one that was in Alexandria for all those centuries. Alexandria. Alexandria, though. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. You but are yeah. tomb busting. I'm. I'm just. I'm tomb questioning. I'm tomb, tomb inquiring. I... So was the tomb in Alexandria a fake one, and the, the real one was lost way before that, um, and that's where Amit's been all this time. I thought that this episode was a bit dark in some places. The opening shooty shootout. Oh. It, at night time, did not yeah. know what was happening, mm. and I did like all the like the scary mummy stuff. But some of the tomb stuff, like I, I have willing suspension of disbelief that a a a mummy man is alive. You can add a little bit more artificial light into those sequences, just so I can like see a little bit more of what's going on. But mm. especially that shootout at the beginning, I thought was a yeah. Bit too that was uh, also dark. I question her tactics. Like when the bad guys are driving away from you with the big gun, do you? A, stay very still and quiet, or B, get a flare to get their attention and have them come and shoot at you. Her tactics did leave me with some questions. Mm. I mean, because when she was running across the sand dunes, she, she seemed quite visible. And yes, one of them the saw sand her. The sand what, Helen? You know, ah, just sorry. Just, mm. yeah, um, she seemed very visible, and one of them saw her and literally was like, somebody was running away. So I, I was a little bit concerned about her tactics. And she seemed, she used a lot of flares this episode. Like, I feel like, she was leaning on the flares like a crutch, you know, like getting... Which you shouldn't do because they're quite short and actually well, exactly. would offer very little support. Very, very dangerous as well. <laughs> do bullets explode if you throw a flare at them? Yes. <laughs> Says Chris. Oh, okay. You ask a good question. I, I'm going to say, I guess it's possible, isn't it? Because they've got gunpowder in them if they get... How hot, how hot does a flare burn? Mm. And the bullets uh, go off in such a way that they, they kill... They kill the driver and his, his driver yeah. and his and his gunman. Stroke yeah. of luck. That Stroke really was, luck. and she was fine though. That was totally good. and also Mark, fine. who was staggering around nearby. So yes, well, Stephen you. by that point. Stephen, sorry, I apologize. Stephen by that point. Real yeah. whistling birds vibe there. Just <laughs> bullets uh, find targets. A uh, couple of things before we get into some listener questions. What do we make of the Stephen Mark Layla love triangle advance? Do we think it's happening a bit quickly? Like there was that, that conversation where Stephen goes, "Oh, I've got Layla," and and Mark goes, "Are you in love with my wife? Are you in love with my wife?" And it's like, really, you know, that, that loves a bit much. You know, do you think it was maybe a bit too quick? All well, that sort of I see. But your memory, yeah, you're exactly. You're applying this as if he's a, a separate person, but he might still have the biological attraction from the fact that she's literally his wife, mm-hmm. and he might fear he might have all the feels that are leaching over from Mark, and therefore, and she obviously does when she looks at him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think you know we can suspend the old disbelief there. Uh, she goes in for a kissy, kissy, and then yes. stops, and he, and he goes, goes in, in for a, a truthy, truthy. Yeah, uh, no point is we're dick in a box, but no. maybe next week. And I think even though things are kind of going quite badly and he's been shot, and which is not great, he is this sort of normal guy who's been swept into this big adventure. Mm. I like that he had that moment this episode where he was like, I've been waiting for this my whole life to, mm. to yeah. be on an adventure like this with this beautiful woman who keeps saying she's his wife. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can see him being swept up in that whole thing and, and starting to like get some real feelings there. I mean, I, I'm, I, I really... Don't mean to be disrespectful of people with DID, and I don't know if this is a crazy question or, or a ridiculous question to pose, but 
this is obviously a really over-the-top scenario where one of your personae is a mercenary and he's super expert at all these things. Um, but he has presumably learned to manage fear, to manage adrenaline, to manage all of those. He will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. It is the mind <laughs> killer. <laughs> the but like, do you know what I mean? Like he, he is able to manage all of those chemical responses in the body uh -huh. to stressful situations. Yes. So does that then leach over to the other personality? Does that then chemically, you know, affect Stephen as well? And, and in, you know, set him up to be a better able to cope with this scenario. Now, I don't know if there's anyone out there who can respond to that because, mm. you know, as I say, this is a very extreme scenario, but I wonder if there's... Mm. There's something there as well. well. I think his special power is being honesty, as he... Uh, being, as he honesty. Yeah. being honesty. Being honesty. Yeah. Yeah. He's so mm. sweet. He's so you know, Squished and Mr. the Great. Be sorry, Mr. Honesty. Great and all, all that sort of stuff. We're very... I mean, I feel like, lovely. again, if he's done as much reading as he says he, he's done, if he can recognise Macedonian at a glance, he should probably know Alexander's full name. Just saying. It's Mr. Great. That was it. Alexander the Great. Uh, what is we, his full name, Helen? I don't remember. Do, I? <laughs> do we think... What's the, uh, for want of a better uh, word, what's the end game for Mark and Stephen and the other, I'm going to say one persona. I don't think they're going to reveal any Palpatine. anymore. Hmm. Uh, what do we think the end game is? Do we think that um, at the end of this, you know, at the end of the sixth episode, at the end of the season, that Mark will be the dominant personality, that Stephen will be the dominant Stephen. personality? Or do we think that they might do what they did with the Hulk, uh, very famously in the comic books, and meld the personalities somehow? They went to the astral plane and the Savage Hulk and Banner and, you know, this is way back at Peter David's run. And it, but it still has repercussions. You know, today there are all sorts of different Hulk personalities running around, for example, you know, sometimes in the flesh sometimes in the astral plane and they melded the two of they melded the, the three main personalities together to form what became known as Professor Hulk which is kind of the Hulk we saw in, in Endgame do we think that might happen or or a and other I think instead of melding the personalities I think they might like share the body I think they've started to have a bit of rapport between Stephen and Mark. I really liked that moment in the asylum sequence when they they find each other and they hug and they embrace and there's a bit of they've kind of they're growing to accept each other. Like at the start of the series, Stephen didn't know that Mark existed and part of the to and fro was like stop being in my body, you're in my body whereas Mark's going you're in this is my body, let me control the body. I think maybe having them more willingly sharing the body and knowing, hey, this is a Mark situation, this is a Steven situation, feels like a nice place. Like, I, I don't want them to lose the essence of either of those personalities, especially Steven, mm. in kind of blending them together. It's interesting. That's a good point, because uh, in this episode, whenever Mark has to have the confrontation, that heart-to-heart with, with Layla, Stephen willingly cedes the body to him. Mm. So that, that you, might, you might be onto something there. And there is there is something about Stephen being able to say the things that Mark can't generally. Like Mark has a couple of times now expressed appreciation of Stephen actually doing the emotional heavy lifting of, you know, telling his wife awkward situations. That being he honesty. Being honesty. Of being honesty. Yeah. Mm. So um, there is something <laughs> to be said for them being stronger together. All right. Last thing I want to ask you guys before we take some listener questions: the person who is the little mummy priest thing. Yeah you know, on loan from the descent, puts on the slab and kills. That's the Irish cop, wasn't it? Was it? I thought it was. Uh, I thought it could could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he was in the desert, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he was. Yeah. Let's go with that. All right. Sorry, Redbeard. Yeah. Uh, Die Beard. Wait, that's another show. Uh, which we'll be doing the spoiler special on. Soon, I promise. <laughs> uh, here's some questions. Listener questions. Let's go with File Shopaholic first this week. Uh, who makes a comment more than a question well first of all did Mark slash Stephen just step into the world of Legion which you guys have pointed out already kind of yeah and also this is another episode well the first episode actually of Moon Knight without Moon Knight well there is the little toy doll but yes mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a, it's a result of Conchu being encased in stone I kind of didn't miss him. Mm. Like Moon Knight is pretty cool, and the fight sequences have been decent. But like the cell of this show for me really is Stephen. Stephen, and so I kind of I didn't notice that until you mentioned that right now mm. that there was this was a moonlight Moon Knight Moon Knight light Moon Knight yeah. episode. And I think it took episode three <laughs> for us to realise that we had been taking Stephen, if you'll pardon the pun, for granted, oh and it genuinely like I realised that he is the show for me, the whole yeah. show, and nothing but the show. They also gave him desert wear that slightly mimics Moon Knight, which I thought was, they did. was nice. Yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was a very, very good point. Um, obviously, Moon Knight, Conchu will be freed. Mm. There will be Moon Knightery happening at some point, whether it's next episode or, or the final episode uh, remains to be seen. But I'm kind of okay with not seeing Moon Knight, to be honest. Yeah, cool character, nice effect. Um, but yeah, for me... <laughs> <laughs> To paraphrase Tom Sizemore in Heat, Stephen is the juice. And I don't know that we need Moon Knight necessarily in the show called Moon Knight. And I don't know that that's necessarily something that you could say about any of the Marvel heroes so far. You know what I mean? I mean, some obviously some, oh. you know, because the secret identities don't really, aren't really a thing. Yeah. So in the MCU, and I don't know whether that's going to be a thing going forward with, with, with Mark slash Stephen slash Moon Knight. But it's not like you go, oh, I want Peter Parker, but I don't want to see Spider-Man. Mm. Tony, maybe. Iron Man 3. Yeah, so Tony. Iron, Iron Man, Man yeah. 3, which is a, a Tony Stark film, not an Iron Man film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Also, keeping vaguely topical, I get the sense from the Thor Love and Thunder trailer that this is going to be like the Thor <laughs> Hangout movie, at least for a while. Yeah. This is Thor off-duty very, very much. Mm-hmm. Robe is gone. Like, 80s metal t-shirts are in. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> At Das underscore Ginge says the mental hospital is clearly a construct of some sort. Uh, is this something in Mark's mind or something Amit is doing? The last yes. vestige of Conchu's power or something else entirely? Yes, yes. to all four? Yes, all yes to those. all four. Yes. <laughs> uh, who does the pod think the hippo-faced goddess was? Tauret, the Tauret. goddess of children and fertility. But you thought, Helen, that it was... Well, I just thought it was Hathor. But maybe I just misheard the name of the lady who was friendly to him at the meeting of the gods. But here's the thing, right? No, no, I think that's Hathor's that avatar. Was Hathor. Hmm. So that's why I just assumed it was her. And but I then really Hathor... Let's Hathor is actually associated with cow horns rather than hippopotamus Yeah, not faces. a hippo. So, um, not it, a hippo. You know, <laughs> so I guess Tauret is... Yeah, so I don't... I, Tauret, therefore, took me by surprise because I thought it would make that, sense if it That's was what Tauret does. Yeah. Turns up, being all hippo-like, takes you by surprise. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Hippos are very dangerous, you know. No, oh, no, they'll fuck you up. Yeah, my main sort of <laughs> source for ancient Egypt and hippos is being eaten by hippos in Assassin's Creed Origins. You'll be oh. going for a, a nice swim Don't in go for some lakes, swim in the and then no. you get chomped by a hippo. Yeah. They will chase you down. They will fuck you up. Yeah. Hippos so, are very dangerous. Jimbo, did you say Tarawit? Tarawit, yes. Tarawit. Tarawit. And, and is this something that you Googled? 
You just Googled Egyptian hippo. Well, as you know, Chris, I have a degree in theology, which made me uniquely qualified to Google Egyptian hippo god. I have a degree in Kevin Bacon, <laughs> which makes me qualified to do absolutely fuck all. Um, anyway, the only reason I ask is because yes. I have studied with a forensic detail, much as an archaeologist might. <laughs> the credits. The credits. And Tararet is in there. Yes! Victory by, is mine! Played by Antonia Salib. Because I thought it was, as you were saying, because she speaks... So uh, if you if you were saying ah, and the ability to speak does not make you intelligent, <laughs> uh, if if it was Hathor's avatar who we met last week, mm-hmm. then that character's name would appear this week True. and doesn't. True. It's Tarawet Antonia Salib. Oh yeah, I mean, I had totally just assumed I hadn't actually looked it up because I had to run this morning, didn't sit See, through the credits. This is, this is why it's good to go the extra mile. Wow. Yeah. I have a question that might open an entire <laughs> can of worms and I'm going to re- regret asking. Sandworms. Thankfully not. Um, so if this whole show is about the canon of Egyptian gods, but in Eternals, the whole thing was that the Eternals were the basis for all of our religions, how does Moon Knight and Eternals? I don't think they're the basis for all of, of our religions. Other. I think they're the basis for some of them. They carefully situated them in Babylon, not Egypt. Okay. Um, so I guess there's there's some wiggle room there. And of course, we know the Norse gods were inspired by alien visitors mm. already, so that's taken care of. So I think they're kind of setting it up that there have been weird shit going on all over the planet for many many centuries. Also, you know, Talo and and Shang Chi. Um, you know, there's there's clearly a, a, a what do you call it? A, a sort of leakage, I guess, of, of metaphysical weirdness there as well. That's keep your wrong. metaphysical leakage out of our podcast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's obviously some crossover from Tallow and from the other dimension to ancient China there to inspire a bunch of legends. So clearly, all over the planet, there's been weird shit happening. The Egyptian gods are part of it, but they're not the only thing. I think that has cleared it right up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. I think we said this in last week's episode that, you know, that, that you know, it's the whole science is interchangeable for magic uh, at a certain advanced level. Uh, and so there's nothing to say that the gods are actually gods, that they might just be incredibly advanced beings. With um, birds, have, skull heads. Who have ascended to to a version of God, who are, see themselves as gods, but who may not be gods. Um, but one thing that has, one thing that I was thinking this week, and it's actually someone has sent in a question, and I'll find it soon, um, was that in the wake of the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, which doesn't have Christian Bale in it uh, as Gore, the God Butcher, but does have, in one shot at least, mm. one of the gods that Gore, the God Butcher, butchers in a godly way. So that giant, that giant yeah. creature that Thor and Korg are looking at is a god. And, mm-hmm. um, that has been butchered. And so it makes you wonder, is, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but might Gore the God Butcher Come for the be Egyptians. the way of bringing those two worlds together? Potentially, might he come for Conchu? Might I, I don't think for a second you're going to get Christian Bell showing up at the end of this this episode. This isn't Reed Richards Mephisto <laughs> nonsense. Confirmed. Yeah, I don't think it's any of that. But you know, might that be something that we maybe see addressed in Thor: Love and Thunder? It's it's possible, and it would be a way if Oscar Isaac is there saying, "Hey, I signed up for six episodes of a TV show." That's uh, it. That, that it's mm-hmm. a bit of connective tissue within the worlds that doesn't actually involve 
Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac. I, I, I don't think you ever need to do that. I think what Marvel's doing is kind of extending in lots of different directions. Some would say all directions, some would say too many. I wouldn't. But anyway, but I think they're just like... These, these people say too many. There are, you know Give me their people. fucking names. F- fucking Phil on Twitter. But there are Phil these people... Twitter. <laughs> Who's Phil Twitter? Let me get it. <laughs> Phil M. Twitter. So there are all these, you know, directions they can go in. They've got the sort of, you know, wild space stuff. They've got the divinity stuff. They've got the kind of mystical stuff. They can just go in different directions, take ingredients and just mess with them. I don't think they need to make choices like that even. They could, obviously. Yeah. And and we do also seem to see um, someone who looks an awful lot like Zeus in that trailer. So yes. There are other pantheons yes. being alluded to being introduced. Indeed. Hercules. Indeed. Uh, yeah, yeah, very much so. And you know, it's it's something I think has always been in the comics fun, mm-hmm. but massively confused. Yeah, and uh, I worry that there might be massive fun, but massive confusion uh, on the way in the MCU as well, unless they can provide some clarity, like uh, you know, a hierarchy at least. Maybe Gore the God Butcher will take out Arishem, and all our problems will be solved. Because He'll take a, I mean, because you were talking about a higher authority. I mean, to me, the Celestials would appear to be the obvious one to go to for that. Yeah. Um, but not if the God Bother is going to bother them. Can open space worms um, everywhere. So I just called him Gore the God Botherer. Yes. Um, <laughs> He's just I enjoy God that more. God. I think that would be fun. Gore the God Bother. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's pretty serious bothering. <laughs> and some, and some real bother. Uh, next question comes from Cantona's Ghost. Are we expected to believe, I think this is Helen's burner account, are we expected to believe <laughs> all the relics in the lost tomb of Alexander would not have been discovered over the millennia that have passed? Seems a little hard to swallow. Well, the Well of Souls was difficult to find in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's one. Number two, the, the little psychotic mummy priest cannibal things mm. on loan from the descent will mm-hmm. have your face off before you can even find anything. Yeah, I think I think it's okay to find a lost tomb. They're still finding lost tombs. They keep opening sarcophagi, and I'm not saying it's responsible for everything that's happening, but you know, hello. Mm. It doesn't seem like it's a good idea, and yet scientists do it. So there are still lost tombs being found. It is not beyond the realm of possibility. And we do not know where Alexander the Great is currently buried, if indeed it still exists. Um, But the tomb did disappear. The tomb was lost to history. So, you know, as Marvel swings go, this isn't a bad one. At They Call Me Mr. Q, does the B-movie indie, who, by the way, uh, Stephen Grant and that is played by the actor Joseph Milson. Does the B-movie indie Tomb Buster explain where the Stephen Grant persona accent comes from? Which would mean which would mean that we're more likely inside Mark or Stephen's subconscious. I think we're more in Mark's subconscious. Think, That's why Mark yeah. is the one in the hospital. I think we're meant to certainly think that or think it's a possibility. I don't think that's going to end up being the case. You don't think it's Mark's subconscious? No, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that we're... I don't think it's quite that simply constructed. Well, here's the thing. If Tarouet is the one who comes in at the end, right? The hippo god. Mm-hmm. Is this an intervention in some way? <laughs> no, but... no, Maybe. But, but what I mean is, if Mark has been saved at the point of death by an Egyptian god who makes him its avatar once before, who's to say it ain't going to happen again? And who's to say that it's not... Because that would be bold. That's something I don't think we've seen before. I mean, I haven't gone through every Moonlight comic, so it probably has happened to there and people are yelling at the mic right now, at the mic, at the podcast thing. Um, but what if Tarawit is the one who comes in, you know, just out of nowhere, saves Mark slash Stephen mm-hmm. from death 
and next next month he's hippo night or something or fertility nights. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Want to watch? I would. I would love what, that. Yeah. What, Isaac playing a horny hippo. Yes. yes. <laughs> horny horny hippos. Oh no. Oh boy. That's gobble, the game gobble. I never played as a child. <laughs> well, yeah. What horny hippos? Horny horny hippos. Yes. <laughs> um, that's that's my latest bullshit theory. Love it. Love it. Bring it. All right, so that's I think what's happening, and I think we are in Mark's uh, consciousness. Consciousness, yes. Consciousness. Uh, just a couple of last things. Paul Felgate at Paul Fella and a couple of other people, uh, including HMB Seven, have asked about the other sarcophagus, the mm. second box. Who is in the box? We talked about it a little bit, but who do you think? Cards on the table. Who do you think's in it, and why have we not met this persona yet? The person who killed Layla's dad, mm. and he's been locked away because he's a bad, bad man. I think it's the person certainly who killed the people on top of the cliffs, cliff, and he's been locked away because he's a bad, bad man. Oh, here's a question. This is the same one from HMB7. Would the pod, would the members of the pod who saw the first four episodes have at least partly preferred seeing these as they came out? I totally understand watching these things is a very unfortunate part of the job but I wonder nice if you would all miss the speculation between episodes a la The Witch and Robot Show Jimbo what was the question? knew he wasn't listening <laughs> would the members of the pod who saw the first four episodes early have preferred not doing that and no I'd have preferred to have out? seen all six early yes I'm totally on board with that I get behind that 100% yeah uh, show us everything early. Yes. Everything, everywhere. Yeah. All at once. That's what I want. In, in, including that, which I haven't yes. seen. <laughs> I've seen it. It's so fucking good. I'm seeing it tomorrow. You don't have to whisper. It's been out in the States for weeks. It's <laughs> <laughs> out of reference. Your position is basically gimme, 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 yes. moon night after. Oh, that's uh, maybe what we'd have done this week. We but the, and sadly, the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra were imprisoned, imprisoned in, stone. in stone. Imprisoned in stone. Um, all right, just a couple of last questions. Uh, G. Willikers? GJ Koizman says, I'd love to hear Helen's thoughts on. All right, well, we'll just fucking leave them, will we? <laughs> well, we chopped liver. Uh, it's very telling to see. I mean, I'm the only one who hosts it, but it's fine. I'm not important. It's very telling to see. I, I edit it as well. Now I think of it. But it's fine. It's fine. You focus on Helen. It's totally okay. It's very the telling god to see. of the Empire podcast yeah. who swiftly gets butchered <laughs> by Gore in the opening reel of Gore. I'm just, I'm, listen, I'm just, it's fine. This person wants to hear Helen's thoughts and not our thoughts. I mean, I only want to organize this whole fucking thing. Anyway, it's fine. It's very telling to see Layla constantly have agency, the ability to save herself, and mostly be more competent than Mark or Stephen. Even in the scenes with Harrow, she's the one in control asking him about the truth. Does that foreshadow that Layla might have a larger MCU future as well? Hopefully. James, what do you think about this? <laughs> no. Great. Ben, what do you think about this? I think it's my place to defer to Helen. Chris, what do you question. think about this? <laughs> well, I think I'd like to hear what Helen has to say on this, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she does have some agency. Uh, she doesn't always know what's going on. She's not one of the hyper-competent, you know, Black widow type female characters who's super on top of everything which is good like not every woman has to be that but she she does have to have some things explained to her sometimes but 
because the show puts her roughly on a level with Stephen in that respect. Stephen. It kind of doesn't stick out like a sort of... She's not just being explained to by some all-knowing guy. Mm. The two of them are figuring things out themselves a lot of the time. So that, I think, works really well. Uh, I like that about her. Yes, obviously, it's the usual, oh, I didn't tell you the truth to protect you bollocks from her husband on multiple counts. You know, I took myself away to protect you from Konshu. I didn't tell you I was there when your dad was murdered to protect I mean, you that's from the a, truth. That's, that's a huge one. That, he, that's that was protecting him. Withholding to the nth degree. But he's been withholding a whole, clearly a whole pile of shit from her throughout their relationship. Um, so that is very much something we've seen a million times before and is not great. But I'm, I am beginning to like her. I think she, you know, she came in as a bit of a, you know, seen it all before kind of trope. And I think in this episode, she got a bit more to do. She did have a bit more agency. She did feel a little bit more like her own woman and not mm. like a AN generic love interest, you know, in a, in a superhero show. So I think she's got potential, but I don't know what she is in this universe unless Stephen and Mark are involved. So I'm I'm not sure if we see her much going forward, unless they need an Egyptologist because, you know, the gods are around again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 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 Oh, well, that's why they asked for Helen's opinion, because it's just, it's just us going, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a guy, and I got the shit for brains. Uh, here's the last question. But fair. I mean, I didn't say that. Uh, write underscore writer underscore after the ways things shifted so massively at the end of this episode is the suggestion that this show it was my suggestion I think uh, should or could have also functioned as a feature film still valid this week is the most amazingly out of sorts I felt since the WandaVision episodes and it's made me realize just how essential the gap between installments or episodes is in order to effectively execute such an effective rug pull. I mean, that's fair. If this happened two thirds of the way through a movie, you would be a bit more, what the fuck? I would get up, I would walk out and I would wait a week <laughs> and then I would go back and pay to see it again. Yeah. Wow, okay. And then get the cure. It's the correct response. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, in that case, it would work great as a feature film. Uh, I don't know what we're yelling about. Yeah. I don't know what we're yelling about. <laughs> Apart from the fact, because we talked about this earlier on um, a couple of episodes ago, didn't we? Like what means that this is a TV show rather than a movie? And... Other than the fact that it gives us a bit more Stephen time, which we're all here mm-hmm. for more Stephen time, mm-hmm. for me, this is one that I am watching and enjoying as a TV show, but also thinking like, hey, this this kind of could have been a movie and you could have like slightly condensed the last couple of episodes. This one, with this twist, with this end moment, like talking about the fact that, uh, I think like I said last time, Kevin Feige said, I love beginnings and endings and doing a TV show with six episodes means you get six beginnings and endings. This is an ending that I can imagine them planting a, a flag when they're plotting out the series yeah. and saying, and we end with the hippo waving and saying hello and everyone's like, what the fuck? And then cut to credits and we wait till next week. And mm. this is the first one where I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying the week's wait, the speculation, like what the hell is going on? I'm going to be there at what, 8am next Wednesday to find out. Yeah. yeah. The, but up until now, as much as I've been enjoying the show, I do think it has been something that felt a little bit more movie-ish than TV. Obviously, WandaVision so inherently played into the idea of, of TV and serialized storytelling and the history of TV. Loki, I think, really fit that medium as well. This one, I think, has felt a bit more like 
Yeah, if I think Rogue, I think could have been a movie. Hawkeye could have been a movie. I think Hawkeye could have been yeah. could have got away with a, a a two hour, you know, one hour fifty Hawkeye movie, and you wouldn't have lost much. I think from that show. In mm-hmm. fact, you you probably could have as much as I enjoyed that show, uh, and of the MCU shows so far, it's I, I think it's top two for me, um, maybe top three, maybe top four. <laughs> Uh, top five? No. <laughs> but you could have lost, for example, Jack's subplot because I yeah. didn't seem to be going anywhere. You could have lost various subplots with this one, with, with Hawkeye. And I think it's kind of the same with this, but that's a good point. And I think it also plays into the fact that Disney Plus, the Disney Plus MCU and Star Wars shows don't, and I don't know whether this is a case. In fact, this is a case for all Disney stuff, isn't it? They don't um, subscribe to the the binge model. And without turning this into an episode of the Pilot TV podcast, mm. I thought oh, it might it might rouse James from his his ancient slumber, um, <laughs> like Mum Ra, the yes. ever living. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is not a model that I like. I like the the weekly model. I like waiting between episodes. I like the speculation. Um, I like being on tenterhooks. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm. Yeah, I'm very much a binge guy, but I reject the premise of the question that somehow, as a movie, it would have been superior to as a TV show. If someone said to me, you can have Endgame the movie, or you can have a 12-part Endgame series, thank you very much, give me the series, I will take it in a hobby. You'll be the one person watching Endgame at home rather than in a cinema hey, where everyone's losing their minds. It's not about the fu- it's about the length, Ben. It's, it's size we're matters. Size matters. Size matters. What do you do with it? <laughs> I was just thinking, if only I had the a length musical and instrument that could give of you a... the TV series. Oh, can, I, can I just say, satisfying. if it's not about the length, it's about what you do with it, I'm fucked in both counts. <laughs> And I think that's a good note on which to end this podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a note on which to end. <laughs> a real Debbie Downer of an episode. Anyway, I think that is it for this week's episode oh, of God, the Moonlight Spider Special. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, join us next week for more Moonlight-related fun. We'll be, we'll be delving into the unknown. We have no idea what is going down mm. in next week's episode, hippos. folks. Hippos. Hungry, hungry, horny hippos. <laughs> That's all we know. It could be just hippos fucking for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> I'd, I'd be up for that. David Attenborough narrating. Here we see Conchu joining in a hippo orgy. Hippos Conchu first. Yeah. It feels like you're doing a weird Attenborough themed version of the aristocrats. <laughs> and he turns to the Egyptian god and says... What's the name of your act? Didn't one of the Egyptian gods, I want to say Horus, get like skull or something or give birth out of his head or get fucked in the head? One of them did. There's something, <laughs> there's something Egyptian pantheon related that involves sex and foreheads. There's quite a lot of Egyptian pantheon related that involves sex. And foreheads? I don't know about foreheads. Are you I'm thinking sure of someone how got... Athena erupted from her father's forehead? I don't think so. I definitely think hasn't. some Egyptian god got fucked in the head. Literally, not figuratively. No. Well, <laughs> listeners, okay. if you know, no, just please send oh, pictures. I would say Google it, but I dread to think. What yeah, you find, I'm, so I don't think Google I want it. to do that. Hey Siri. <laughs> oh God. Which Egyptian god got fucked in the head? <laughs> okay, I found this on the web for which Egyptian god got fucked in the head. <laughs> <laughs> What? what has it found? Don't leave us in suspense. <laughs> what? Oh no, it's gone off. Is it Tamoy? Oh, it's gone off. How do you find what, what, what Siri found? How do you find what Siri found? 
How do you Siri find again. what Siri found? Hey Siri, who's the Egyptian god who got fucked in the head? Okay, I found this on the web for who is the Egyptian god he got fucked in the head. <coughs> check it out. Check it. I will check it out. Uh, Horus. Um, the not so innocent abroad.com uh, has an article here, April 15th, 2019. Horus versus Seth, homosexuality, hippos, and familial violence. Uh, the Egyptian myth, it's a long one. Um, so Seth was the elder brother of Osiris, who became insanely jealous and led Osiris to watery death. Uh, the story of how he chopped his brother into pieces is a tale for another blog post. This one deals with the power struggle that ensued between the two contenders for the throne, the murderous Seth and Osiris's son, the falcon-headed Horus. Uh, and be warned, parts of this twisted tale quite, get quite graphic. Tell you what, we'll read up on that <laughs> and we'll come back next week with tales of hungry, hungry, horny hippos. And that is the end oh, of this episode of Moon Knight. Here we see the three conchu colleagues of such lethal cunning slowly lose the will to live. <laughs> slowly. Goodbye to James Dyer. Oh, God, go away. Goodbye to Ben Travis. Goodbye. Goodbye to Helena Harrow. Toodaloo. They move in herds. Helen's vision is based on movement. And it's goodbye from Chris Hewitt. He's off to read about hippos fucking each other in the head. Thank you for listening. It's turning into Marge Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week.